Thank you, choir. Thank you, uh, musicians. Thank you, congregation, just for worshiping Jesus Christ. And thank you, Amy. That was a, just an incredible scripture reading. And it's all going to go downhill now. because That was so good, so creative. I fear that your little um, gesture there, you know, in the night, people will go, in the middle of the sermon, uh, the shepherds were, oh. We want to look this morning appropriately at the first Christmas. And what the first real Christmas teaches us is that Christmas is all about the grace of God. The Christmas is not about um, us achieving something and then God accepts us. It's all about what God does, quite apart from what we do, and then offers us himself, offers us forgiveness of sins, offers to save us from our rebellion and sin. And he offers to this, uh, us to, he offers us this by grace. It's a gift to be received, not something to be earned or worked for. So I want us to see a little bit of that in the real Christmas story. And then I want to draw three lessons from the shepherds who are key parts of the story. So the real Christmas, the first Christmas, it's all about grace. Notice what the angels uh, say, say to these shepherds. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The whole idea of Jesus that the angels present to these shepherds, which sort of change their evening, I think, in a massive way, is that this baby Jesus that's born that they are to go to see is, is the savior of the world. And if, if, if Jesus is the savior, he's not simply a prophet, he's not simply a teacher, he's come to save us because we needed saving. And it's interesting, it says, this is the good news and great joy for all the people. In other words, this is for everyone that Jesus has come to be their savior. It's not just to the powerful. It's not just for the ones who achieve well. It's not just for the, for the academically gifted. It's not just to those who are economically wealthy. It's for all of us. Why? Because it's grace. It's a gift. In order to receive Jesus, no one has to work for that gift. No one can, uh, can, can, uh, can earn that gift as a gift. It's all about grace. There's a writer I read recently who said, he who has not Christmas in his heart will never find it under a tree. If we're going to live Christmas every day of the year, we have to understand that the original Christmas story, the real meaning of Christmas is about this gift, this Savior that has come. It's also interesting, in, in, in a lot of the birth narratives, and it's subtle, there's, there's an understanding that this baby Jesus is one day going to die. That's how he will save us from our sins. It's interesting, in this account, verse 12, he says, this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. 
This could very well be a reference not only to the, the, the claws that, that, that adorn Jesus as a newborn baby, but swaddling claws can also refer to the, the clothing that you would surround a, a person who had died, who was deceased. Certainly, when you see the gifts of the Magi, which we are not dealing with this morning, but we sang about it just a few minutes ago, uh, the, the giving of gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, particularly myrrh, was certainly a, a, a spice and, 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 and an element that would be given and, and anointed a body that was dead. So clearly, I think all of the birth narratives sort of pointing to this reality that this Savior who was born is a Savior that will have to die in order to bring us back to himself. Christmas is about grace. It's about the outpouring of God's grace. There's another interesting tidbit. Again, these are subtle things in the birth narratives. And, you know, it's not that you can necessarily prove it, but it seems suggestive. These shepherds were outside the city of Bethlehem when they heard the announcement from the angels that the Savior was born in Bethlehem. It is very true, this is clearly true, that in and outside the city of Bethlehem, the, uh, there were shepherds, definitely. Now, whether they were actually the shepherds the angels came to, I you can't quite prove it, but certainly in the area of Bethlehem, some of those flocks outside of Bethlehem were, were growing the, the lambs and the sheep that would be used in the temple sacrifices. That is unmistakably clear. And there's almost this sense in which these shepherds may very well have been the ones who were guarding the flocks who would ultimately be, be sent to the temple to be sacrificed as a picture of the ultimate Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, who would die for all of us. Christmas is all about grace. Even the fact that Jesus is born to, this, uh, to Mary and Joseph, who are not the wealthiest, they're not the powerful, they're, they're actually on the lower rung of the economic uh, uh, strata there in first century Palestine. Jesus is in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. G.K. Chesterton, uh, I think, aptly points out, Christmas is built upon a beautiful and intentional paradox that the, birth of the, that the birth of the homeless should be celebrated in every home. Christmas is all about grace. And of course, when the angel said, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news, verse 10, of a great joy that will be for all the people. You have this sense that uh, the great joy that, that is for all of us who embrace this Jesus, who receive this gift of grace and trust in him for the deliverance that only Jesus can provide. It's precisely a gift of grace that would produce this kind of great joy. If the only way to get to God was to earn it, if the only way to get to God was to perform and earn God's love, that would not be something to rejoice in. But since it is all of grace, it's all a gift. We don't earn it. We don't deserve it. 
In other places, in in Romans 5, it says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Jesus Christ was born a Savior. He didn't wait for us to to clean up our acts so that we we, we would be good enough to earn his love. He came to us first in this baby. Christmas is all about grace. It's a gift. Some of you may remember Billy Graham. He said it well. He said the very purpose of Christ coming into the world was that he might offer up his life as a sacrifice for the sins of men. He came to die. This is the heart of Christmas. Now once we see the real story here, the shepherds teach us a number of things. I think quite profoundly, and we want to look briefly at those three lessons from the shepherds. The first thing you see with with shepherds is that shepherds were not at the high end of the socioeconomic strata of first century Palestine. They were actually on pretty low. Because they worked with sheep, they were often ceremonially unclean according to the Mosaic law. Shepherds were also known to be a very colorful group of individuals. They weren't the most ethical. They stole each other's sheep, according to first century sources. They they might have been a little tired in, as, as Amy pointed out in her reading, they might have been slightly inebriated, which was not uncommon. This was not the, 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 the elite of first century Palestine. This was not the upper crust. This was not the most educated. This was not the most powerful. These were not the politically well-connected. They were on the bottom rung, and that's who Jesus. And God decides to announce the coming, the greatest gift he could ever give. The angels come not to the palace, not to King Herod, not to the governor, uh, the Roman governors who ruled over Israel at the time. Came to a group of shepherds in the fields. Philip Yancey comments on this when he says, Yet, as I read the birth stories about Jesus, I cannot help but conclude that though the world may be tilted toward the rich and powerful, God is tilted toward the underdog. And of course, the whole birth of Jesus. God, who rules the universe, decides to be born, to to put on a human body, fully God and fully man, to redeem the world. And of course, Mary and Joseph are not the most well-connected and powerful people in Palestine at the time. And Jesus is born in the manger. He's not, he's not born in Jerusalem with pomp and circumstance. He's born very quietly. And only a very few people that the angels come and talk to, shepherds no less, are the ones who initially know that the Savior has come to be born, just as the scripture said from Micah 5.2, which we read earlier today born in Bethlehem just as God had ordained it. Of course, when we see that 
Christmas, this first lesson of the shepherds is that Jesus Christ came for us. He came for all of us. He came because this is good news for all the people. He, he came for all of us. And it doesn't matter where you are on the socioeconomic strata. It doesn't w- matter how educated or, or how, uh, you know, you, you haven't been, uh, you know, post high school been educated. It doesn't matter. None of that matters. Because Christmas is about grace and the shepherds show that God's gift to us in Jesus was a gift of grace, not performance, not earning it. So the second thing we learned from the shepherds. At first they're scared. Verse 9 it says they were filled with fear. And then the angel said, fear not, I'm going to bring good news, great joy for all the people. It says that Jesus Christ, goes, he, he's, a, you know, he's, being, he's born in the city of David in Bethlehem. Verse 13, it says, and suddenly there was an angel, a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God, saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the, angel, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child, and All who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. And Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it it had been told them. When you understand that Christmas is about grace, it's a gift. It's not something you earn. It's, It's God pouring out his life for us freely. And we do nothing to earn being right with God. We, know we can't perform for that. We, we simply receive this gift of God himself, Jesus. Rightly understood, we ought to be people who glorify God every single day of the year if Christmas truly was in our hearts. It's incredible. writer I read this week, really great quote, says, and when we give each other Christmas gifts in his name, let us remember that he, God, has given us the sun and the moon and the stars and the earth with its forest and mountains and oceans and all that lives and moves upon them. He has given us all green things and everything that blossoms and bears fruit. And all that we quarrel about and all that we have misused And yet he also came to save us from our foolishness, from all our sins. He came down to earth and gave us himself. When we truly understand that Christmas is about the grace of God given to undeserving people like ourselves, we can't help but glorify this Jesus who came to save us from ourselves. I had a history teacher in college, and uh, he was older. Um, he was an older man, and he typically did what lots of older people do to the younger generation. I got to know him quite well. I was kind of I helped him, and was his assistant. Was part of my work study program, and, and during college, 
And honestly, uh, he had served in World War II, and he looked at me as a 19-year-old, and he would often say to me, thank God it was my generation who went to World War II, because your generation, I, we'd be speaking German or Japanese, okay, if you guys were sent out. He didn't have a lot of confidence in us. He was a little gruff at times. He was pretty cynical of us, certainly cynical of our excuses of why our homework was late. Questions that he thought were silly and frivolous, he made the student aware of that foolishness. But there was one thing that caused this older, somewhat cynical man at times that brought this man to tears, and that was Jesus. Several times, I would listen to him lecture, and somehow he would get on Jesus, and he would, he would start to talk about the fact that Jesus came to save him. And he would say, I can't believe that God went to all the trouble to send his son to, to be born, and then to grow up, and then to, to die for me. Of all people. I don't understand how God could love me that much and that he would dissolve into tears. This was a man who understood God's grace. He understood Christmas. It's all about his grace. And if we understood that, if we believed that, if we could, could hold on to that, we would be glorifying and praising God just like the shepherds did, far more robustly, far more consistently, far more comprehensively. Because it's all about grace. And that's the second lesson we learned from the shepherds. And one last thing we learn from the shepherds. And that if we truly understood Christmas and it was all about grace, we would be sharing that news more consistently with those around us. Notice what the angel says, verse 10. Fear not, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And then when you see the shepherds, in verse 20, the shepherds returned. They glorified and praised God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. In other words, they let everyone around them know God has come in Jesus. God's grace has been poured out unto us. If you truly understand Christmas, you can't help but share this with those around you as appropriate. You can't help but talk to other believers, reminding one another of the great grace that he has given to us. And so, given the grace of that first Christmas, given the fact that Jesus Christ has come to die in our place, given the fact that this is the reality of God pouring out his grace on these shepherds who were not the highest in society, modeling what his grace was for all people in coming to the shepherds. The shepherds glorifying God because of the grace, telling everyone about his grace. We of all people who've received this great gift of grace in Jesus. Let it be more joyful, share more, 
and be humbled because of what has done, God has done at Christmas. As Frederick Buechner, one of my favorite writers, said this. He says, and now, brothers, I will ask you a terrible question, and God knows I ask it also of myself. Is the truth beyond all truths, beyond the stars? Again, he's talking about Jesus, the incarnation, the death, the resurrection of Jesus. Is the truth beyond all truths, beyond the stars, just this, that to live without him is the real death, and that to die with him, the only life? That's the grace of Christmas. And I think it's appropriate this morning that we celebrate communion even as we celebrate the birth of Jesus because he came to be born to die. So let me prepare us for communion if you could bow your heads. I'm going to lead us in a time of confession to prepare us for communion. In a moment, I'm going to invite all of you who have trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior to partake with us. We'll pass out the bread, hold on to it. We'll partake of it together. We'll do the same with the cup. During the bread, we encourage you to, to confess things that God brings to mind, reminding yourself that because of Christmas, because of Jesus, because of his grace, our sins have been forgiven in his death and resurrection. During the cup, we'll sing together and praise this great Savior, uh, Jesus Christ. But let me lead us in a time of confession. I encourage you to confess the things that God brings to mind to him and receive anew the great grace that is ours in Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we acknowledge that it's easy for us not to live in the joy of Christmas each day. We forget that the creator of the universe put on a human body and came to rescue us. And yet we often take created things, things that are good, surely, but we take those same good things and we make them the object of our affections, the object of our worship. Forgive us, Lord, for that idolatry. Lord, we also ask your forgiveness because we've taken the grace of Christmas, the grace of Jesus, and we, we've mistakenly somehow think that we earn your love or, or we have to earn your love or we, we, we have to perform for you. We, we forget about God's grace. Lord, forgive us for neglecting your great grace. Lord, too often we, we allow the circumstances of our life, as difficult as they may be, and they surely are, but we let those circumstances crowd out the beauty of your grace and the hope that Christmas provides us, that one day there will be a world free from sin and all of the things that sin has ruined, that all sickness, death, Injustice and righteousness will be dealt with. Lord, forgive us for living as if 
sin and death and unrighteousness and injustice would win the day. I thank you, Lord Jesus. And for those of us who know Christ, there is no condemnation for for us, for those who are in Christ Jesus. That in your birth and your death and your resurrection and your ascension, you have provided the full forgiveness for all the things we have done wrong, past, present, future. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for decisively being our Savior, living and dying in our place. Thank you for the grace of Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen.